Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your source for outdoor gear in interior Alaska. It's a locally owned, longtime Fairbanks business that I've shopped at since I was a kid, and they've always done a great job of carrying a wide variety of quality, proven gear that'll tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to. Frontier Outfitters always stays current with gear for the season, and whether you're bear baiting in the spring, fishing or dip netting in the summer, looking for game bags and gears for moose camp in the fall, or need to stock up on trapping lures, get a new spud bar, or just need some bait for your winter burbot sets, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, lots of guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as gun safes. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find your snow machine and ATV accessories like sleds and hitch pins, gun boots, hot grips, as well as a full selection of marine and boating parts and accessories. They really go out of their way to stock quality, useful equipment, and it's truly one of those great hometown sporting goods and hardware stores that every town needs to have. Whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on that never-ending home improvement project, or you just need to rehandle an axe, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location out in North Pole, so make sure you stop in there and tell them you heard about it on Tundra Talk. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Real Estate, a local brokerage that can cover your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area, whether it's residential, commercial, or just undeveloped property. The Hedgecocks have been active in the Fairbanks and North Pole real estate market since the early 80s and have put together a team that really reflects the diverse needs of homebuyers in interior Alaska. With a brokerage team made up of multi-generation Fairbanks locals, transplants, and military veterans, they really understand the unique aspects of living in the interior and what that means when it comes to shopping for a home in general, buying land to build a home, and they also understand the situations that many military members are in when needing to buy or sell a home in Fairbanks. This is really a unique place to live, and whether it's learning why some houses have water-holding tanks instead of wells, how much it'll cost to heat a given house, or just what recreational opportunities are close by, they're here to help you. More than simply acquiring or building a piece of property, they can help you find the right property in the right place and help you learn from their experience. The Hedgecock Group offices are on Noble Street in Fairbanks, and if you want to get in touch with them, visit www.fairbanksakhomes.com. That's how you do it. All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel. Um, very excited this afternoon to finally sit down with the, the three most influential guys in my life. Um, my Uncle Tracy's been on the podcast before. Uh, my dad, Britt Friel, and uh, my Uncle Jerry Friel. So excited, excited to sit around, sit around and, and hear some stories from you guys. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess uh, probably I kind of this might maybe the most structured podcast I've had. I just wrote down a bunch of ideas, like I was saying, of st- stories I've heard and stuff like that. I'm not always the best at like bringing up stories so if i just remember one or think of one or you something reminds you of a of a, of a good story i mean just kind of like we're sitting around on any other day around the around the table yeah um if that makes sense but uh i guess first of all uh i kind of wanted to hear a little background like um grandpa your dad 
coming up to Alaska. I mean, kind of a little bit of the story of him coming up here and uh, and how he got here. Yeah, he uh, uh, he he drove up uh, from Colorado in the mid '40s, mm-hmm. and actually got up here with his brother in in '48, mm-hmm. 1948 after the war. Uh, he was served over in Europe. He was in the 101st Airborne Division, and uh, they came up here and uh, him and his brother just I think to get away from the farms. Because, yeah. you know, down the farms, they just worked like dogs, and they wanted to do something else. So they come up here, and and both of them got in construction on uh, an air base up here, air, or an Army base, Lad, Lad, Lad Field Lad at the Field, time. Lad Airfield, which is right beside Fairbanks, and uh, and uh, he never left. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they had grown up, like, you know, working farms during the Depression, basically, yeah. wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, they worked farms during the Depression, and... Uh, <clears throat> And actually, uh, during the uh, during the war, uh, he was he got drafted. Uh, he he decided he'd be cute in eleventh grade and quit quit high school. <laughs> and as soon as he did, two weeks later, he was drafted. And he got drafted, and then he then he heard that uh, uh, that uh, paratroopers uh, were getting sixty dollars a month more than guys that were in the regular military. So. Uh, he went ahead and signed signed up for that because he'd never made sixty dollars in a month in his life. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, he got on that, and then uh, of course, then he uh, he just he, he lived hunting and fishing. That's what Dad mm-hmm. did. That was his one joy. And and um, his younger brother, uh, our uncle Gordon, that uh, he came up here too and with him, and it, he was the same way. So. You know, uh, Dad never went on vacation anywhere. You know, come you know, come hunting season for two weeks, we were moose hunting. That yeah. was vacation. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I never, uh, I never, uh, we lived on wild meat. I never had a beef steak until I was seventeen years old. Jeez. And I went out on a double date uh, with with a guy, and <clears throat> they went ahead and uh, brought a mini around, and then. Uh, showed us all this uh this menu you know and i'm sitting there with, i'm trying to be cool with this girl that i'm on a date with for the first time and, and uh, this guy though he was an indian from uh, uh mento actually or Nana, and uh so anyway they uh, they had all these different steaks and uh and uh so i'm looking at the menu and finally i whispered to my bob he says uh I never had beef steak before. Well, which, what am I supposed to order? And so he told me what to order, and I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I kind of nodded like I was like I knew what I was doing, and, and got that got that beef steak and, and ordered. And then uh, th- then they asked me, he says, "Well, how would you like that cooked?" And I my eyes got real big, <laughs> and I looked at Bob. <laughs> he says, "Tell him you want it medium rare." And I says, "Medium rare." And uh, so here now again, I, I I fooled this girl that I actually knew what I was doing, and uh, so then it came back pink in the middle. I didn't know what the hell to do. <laughs> I was raised on wild meat, and everything my dad cooked, he fried, and it was well done or burnt, you know. And uh, so anyway, that was my first introduction to beef <laughs> at 17. So that just shows you how much meat we ate. And not only did we <clears throat> we went hunting, not only did we hunt for ourselves, but it was a small neighborhood. <clears throat> and yeah. uh, 
in uh, Lamita, uh, just off College Road in Alaska, and uh, we hunted and for all the neighbors too. So we had three or four families that every time we'd go hunting, we'd bring our moose back. Yeah, they'd come over and help us cut it up, and then we'd we'd share it with them. Yeah. And it was it was pretty interesting. So I I grew up. Uh, one thing I knew how to do <laughs> when I grew up was cut up meat with a, with a saw. Cut up meat, yeah. They, <clears throat> which, which I think I ended up giving to you. <laughs> yeah, you gave, yeah. After I mean, that thing had been kind of sitting in the corner of the warehouse down there for years, and yeah. and it brought it over to my place, and we we uh, my father in law's electrician. He wired a new switch on there and back to cutting meat on it. It's pretty. Yeah. Pretty cool. I think I went down to the auto parts store and got a replacement belt for it because it's, it's kind of a belt-driven bandsaw. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's a <clears> – and uh, wasn't there – because it, it'd be in maybe some of the transition from Grandpa coming up here, starting to hunt up here because he was – I mean, they hunted for survival back in the well, day. They, yeah, they hunted <laughs> for survival back then, and it was after the Depression. You know, there wasn't any work. Uh, you know, they'd uh, – they actually moved. They they were he was uh, raised, born and raised way up high in the Rocky Mountains, and uh, or no, I'm, I'm confusing that was mom. relatives. That was mom. Yeah, yeah that was mom. But, he was out in central Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, dad was in, in Nebraska, and uh, so anyway, that they had a farm in there, and they raised a lot of watermelon and stuff. And then the, the drought hit along in the Great Depression. The Dust Bowl. Yeah. Uh, the Dust Bowl, and it just dried their farm right up. So anyway, they got an old Model A, Model T pickup, just like it, just like the Beverly Hillbillies, yeah. and they just started driving until they found water, and they found water in this valley, the San Luis Valley, in up in the Rocky Mountains, in uh, Colorado, and, and so that's where they ended up settling. And him and his brothers, he he had a bunch of brothers. They'd go and they'd poach a deer a week, yeah, uh, to feed the family, yeah. and. Uh, so anyway, that's yes. Uncle Ed, Dad's oldest brother. He had a wooden leg, and I can remember them telling stories. And he always carved his own wooden legs, and he'd hollow them out. And he says, "Heck, I could hit. I could fit three hen pheasants and forty fish in that leg." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "But they asked me one day, well, what are you going to do if uh, the game warden's name was Hawker? And I mean, I, he was a game warden. He said he said he'd lay in a ditch for a week of mud if he thought he could catch you trapping a muskrat out of season. But they said, well, what are you going to do if he tells you to take his leg off? He goes, I'm going to tell him to kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah, they were they were quite the characters. Well, wasn't there one time where didn't he catch some story about him catching some big old mink and trying it? You know, it was, it was back his fur was worth a lot of money. Oh yeah, back in those days, some big old mink and. Tried to hit it or tried to kill it and hit the trap and broke it. And or broke something. the trap and it got away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was dead. Yeah, after after he came back from the war, before he came to Alaska, uh, there used to be just continuous lakes and sloughs the full length of the San Luis Valley back then. There was a lot of water there, and uh, he caught a, a thousand muskrats the first year after he got out of the army. A thousand muskrats, and that's. Sold them. That's how he survived. In fact, that was the money that he used him and his brother to to get through Canada. It took him thirty days to make the trip through Canada. Yeah, not Jeez. not from the states to Canada, just through Canada, 
because that road had just been completed yeah. near the end of the war. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just a big swamp. It was just a big swamp. Somebody drove a cat through a swamp, and that's about all that yeah. it yeah. <clears throat> And uh, there was a, a couple farmers there that uh, when they come through a place that was really bad swampy, they had a tractor sitting there, and, and they'd pull you through, but they'd charge you like five bucks, which was a lot of money back yeah. then to get through it. And, uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think <clears throat> Alcan's bad now. <laughs> oh, my goodness, it's 30 days to get through that one stretch. Well, and you know how bad the road, I mean, yeah. just the roads up here get nowadays if they're oh, yeah. not, when they're not maintained. Yeah, maintained, yeah. Man, but, uh, well, anyway, got up here and, uh, and, you know, I guess. There's the, a little, there's a little bit more backstory to that, though. Okay. Because he, you know. Alaska is the way it is because of World War II, right? And building up, and there was no Air Force before World War II, but that's but now there is, and they were building up those bases and and the history of World War II. And and our dad, you know, this is what he told me. He won to get his stake up here, won ten thousand dollars in a poker game, you know, back in '45, um, which was a lot. I don't know what ten thousand dollars. Is that when he crawled out of the window, the bathroom of the bar he was in? Yeah, they were having a big (laughs) poker game, and he got hot. And he told me he had all his pockets full of money and his helmet full of money sitting on the table. And you got to understand that these guys were hard guys. Oh, yeah. They just went through a war killing Germans. (laughs) Yeah, they've been living, killing Germans in Europe for four years. So he got scared that he wasn't going to make it out of this poker game alive. So... And they just got paid or something. Yeah, they got paid. Yeah. That, you, didn't get, you didn't get paid regularly when you're fighting, so they, they'd all got paid right before it was time to come home. And so he he figured, well, he, he didn't know if he was going to make it out of that poker game alive, so he had his helmet full of money sitting on the table. Full of so coins sitting on the table. He figured if he left that there, that'd give him something to split come back up. for, yeah. yeah. And he took all the bills and shoved them in his pocket and said, i got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and he said he <laughs> went in there, he Locked the door, turned on the sink, flushed the toilet, and jumped out the window and hit the ground running. <laughs> and then when he finally counted it up, he had $10,000 in cash. So he got pretty – anyway, that's kind of how he got his grub steak. And, and yeah, it was it was a different place. People don't understand. Alaska was, a, was kind of a wild west town, man. It was even up into the early 70s in the pipeline. It was – Yeah. It was, yeah, guys carrying guns and – yeah, it was it was a wild west town, and that, that's the kind of wilderness they came into. Yep. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, and Fairbanks wasn't even that big either. It's a pretty no. big, you know, pretty big town now. I mean, that's yeah. like what the heck, you know, just probably a completely different town than you remember growing up. Well, in. around World War II, the reason Fairbanks was here is they were f- ferrying planes over to Russia. Yeah, on the Lim Lease program, and so Airport Road, and where Two Dice Pond used to be, that was a hangar. It was that was the airstrip, and those little oh, really? blue hotels that was barracks. Oh, really? Yeah, right on Airport Road. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. yep. So yeah, it was it was a big deal. And so we were we were raised up here really in the wilderness. Uh, well, you were here when before it was a state. Jerry and Barbie were yeah. both born in the was, not yeah. in the state of Alaska, in the born, territory of Alaska. Yeah, born st- statehood was fifty nine. I was born in fifty two up here. Yeah. And uh, so basically during the summer. Uh, even in the fall and winter and everything else, I mean, I was I was out fishing, hunting, or trapping, and that's that's all it was. I used to I went to grade school. It's probably about I don't know a quarter to a half a mile from from where we lived, and 
as soon as in the fall, when as soon as class would get out, uh, I'd jump on my bike and I would race home. And then uh, it was during duck season and stuff, and I would fill both my front pockets with 12-gauge shells, and I'd grab my dad's 12-gauge, and I'd throw it over the handlebars, and then I'd ride back through the playground <laughs> with my 12-gauge <laughs> on the handlebars, and then I'd hide, I'd ride back behind the school and hide my bike in the willows, and then I'd go out and I'd hunt till dark. And, uh, <laughs> can you imagine somebody nowadays, some kid doing that, you know, they'd, somebody would shoot oh, yeah. him or Active something. shooter call. They'd, they'd hang your parents. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, and then we had a slough that uh, kind of flowed, called Noise Slough, flowed through the neighborhood there. And uh, so anyway, if I if I wasn't out hunting, I was down at the slough snagging suckers. And, or uh, digging up eels. or yeah, That's still or, something I need or, to... Or catching, catching freshwater eels. Yeah, they'd go in there and there'd, there'd be a gravel bottom, but occasionally there'd be some, some grass down in there and you and uh, then there'd be a bare patch of gravel in the middle of the grass, and there'd be a bunch of freshwater eels in there. Hmm. So we'd, we'd go in there, me and my buddies would go in there, and we'd catch those eels and then throw them in a bucket. Until mm-hmm. one latched on to me one day, you know, <laughs> I about panicked, you know. <laughs> I mean, oh. I don't think they had teeth, but they latched on me. I just just about panicked. That was the end of the, <laughs> end of the eeling for me. <laughs> oh, man. I remember. How big were they? Oh, they're probably eight ten inches long. Huh. Yeah, I know you can buy them for probably bait see, nowadays. Your, you know, their finger. They're good bourbon bait. Yeah. Oh, great! Yeah, great bait. Yeah. And back then, uh, you know, it's a, I caught there was a lot of grayling in there. Uh, there was suckers, fish suckers. Yeah. And uh, but the uh, uh, grayling there really weren't fit to eat. I don't think Cause everybody that lived along that slough and there was a couple miles there ran their sewer lines into the slough. <laughs> oh. They just punched. True story there. <clears throat> yeah, and then they had a laundromat there called George's Laundromat there and uh, that run all the time, you know, and uh, he ran his pipe through there. Straight waste, right, yeah, in, right into the slough. Right into the slough, <laughs> sudsy water, you know, all day long. And uh, I'd get down there and, and, you know, sometimes you get down there and, and I'd wait across. And, of course, I never had it, but I just wait across. So. Yeah. The way across, and the water was kind of warm if you waded across right below where they were dumping all the laundry, <laughs> laundry suds and stuff in there. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a fun place to grow up. You know, it was a lot of lot to do. You know? Yeah, it was uh, probably matter. You know, one of the places you'd get kicked out of the house every day, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. day. <clears throat> yeah, it's a. <laughs> I can't imagine Grandma letting you just lounge around. <laughs> yeah, no, there was no lounging. You know, it's that your mom said, "Get the heck outside." So when she said that, I just grabbed my fish and pulled it head to the slough. Yeah, you know. So <clears throat> no, wasn't there? There was some. I think I had it. So you got pretty good at throwing rocks. Oh yeah, as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 There was a always a rock fight going on there. So, in the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Every house, you know, we had, you know, small small lots, and every house had kids. Everyone, you know. Was, and then <clears throat> I uh, <clears throat> had these neighbors that lived near us called Piers, and uh, I was down at the slough, and I was down there snagging suckers. And so I'd snag them, you know, and, and then uh, get them in and turn them loose. And they, there's an area called the Big Hole. It was where they excavated gravel for the roads in the yeah. subdivision. And it was pretty deep, and so I'm, I'm down there, and and uh, 
two of these kids, this Tony Pierce and his little brother Richard, followed me down there. <clears throat> and uh, they had a steep bank with about a four or five foot drop into this, what I called the big hole. And uh, so I'm down there snagging suckers. And all of a sudden I hear Tony, the older brother, he was probably, I don't know, Tony's probably eight or nine or something. I don't know. And his little brother must have been about six. And uh, so I hear Tony hollering. I hear hollering screaming and it's Richard screaming. He's in a panic. And uh, I say, Tony's going, grab my hand, grab my hand. And I looked down and he had slid off the bank and into the slew ran into this big hole. And he slid in the bank and he rolled out into the current and it was carrying him farther out. So, man, I'd, I'd run up. To, you know, I was I was scared of the big hole. You know? Yeah. And uh, so I ran up there and I, I leaped up in the air and I grabbed a willow that was hanging over the top of it. And hung out of one hand, and the other hand, I reached out, and just as he was going down for about the third time, I reached out, I grabbed him by the hair, mm. and I pulled him up. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Pull, pulled him up and got him got him out of there. You know, he was hacking and coughing and gagging, but uh, he was still breathing. And uh, so that was, and uh, the funny thing about that is, is I used to dream every night that I drowned in the big hole. Oh, geez. And uh, just about every night. And after, after I jumped in there and saved that kid out of there, I quit having that dream. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so. Hmm. Strange. Yeah. Well, in the, in the winter, what about in the winter time too? You, I know you've told me a lot of stories and you guys having to just go rabbit hunting and trapping and stuff. It was kind of. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Town goes a lot farther than it used to, you know. Oh, it's yeah. kinda... Well, the trap line used to run where, uh, oh, I guess all those box stars are, stores are now. You'd, <clears throat> if you head off on Lameda and kind of followed the tracks across College Road and head into where, oh, what's there now? Walmart. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there was Holden's Warehouse. <laughs> all that stuff. That was the yeah. trap line. <clears throat> yeah, there was a railroad ran, th- railroad tracks ran through there, and uh, there was a, a, a big. Uh, uh, what would you call it? Junkyard there, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of army surplus stuff there. We used to go through there and pick up the steel helmets that had bullet holes in them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and run around there till a guy, you know, we'd hear this guy screaming, you get the heck out of here. You know, so <laughs> we get out of there. And, and then they had an old, uh, they had a little military outposts all over this. All over the valley. place. Yeah. And uh, this one area where we were trapped and stuff back there. Oh, they probably had a dozen Quonset huts back there, and uh, there was there were a couple of them were full of, of ammo and weapons and stuff, huh. and uh, they go back in there and, and uh, I think they then they kept those manned most of the time because in case we got invaded over here, the, yeah. they couldn't just come through and bomb. They could bomb uh, Lad Airfield, but all these outposts and they were all over the yeah. valley here. Yeah, we're safe. That makes sense. Yeah. So I went back in there, and, and there was trails and stuff, and, you know, old trails and stuff. We'd go back in there and trap and trap links and... A lot of ponds that hunted ducks, ducks on. And, and, yeah. 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 Yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was quite an adventure. And there were some old farmer's fields back in there, too, that uh, always had uh, uh, geese and ducks and stuff in them. And, you know, they planted grain and stuff, so it would attract us. So come hunting season, we'd, we'd go back in there, me and a couple of buddies of mine, or brothers, and we'd go back in there. And uh, we knew if we got back to this back field there during during duck and goose season that uh, uh, the geese would land back in there, and then we'd crawl up on them, sneak up on them while they were laying. And you, we'd get pretty close to them, too. 
and just slithering in there. And uh, so one time we're headed back in there, and we heard the geese coming. <clears throat> and it, we heard them. They were headed towards that backfield, and we knew they were going to land. Well, we had to get back there before they landed so we could see where they landed so yeah. we could put the sneak on them. And uh, so we... <laughs> We're headed back there pretty fast, and also we could hear them. They're really loud, and so we just started running like mad. <clears throat> and uh, all of a sudden, I, I, I look up above me, and they're right over the top of the trees, right above us. And so I hollered at those, these two brothers, uh, friends of mine, and I says, hey, they're right there. And so, man, I threw up my 12-gauge, and uh, this buddy of mine, he threw up his 12-gauge, and I shot, and I hit this one, and it come down, and... and he had to jump out of the way. He couldn't even <laughs> shoot. It was coming right for him. <laughs> but uh, lot, lots of stuff like that. My goodness, you know, it was just it was a, a wilderness wonderland for young guys that like to get out in the woods. Yeah. Well, you guys, I remember you guys telling me even, you know, getting kicked out. And this is before bunny boots and all that stuff. Get kicked out all. all all day when it's 20, 30 below, and you just oh, had yeah. to start a fire if you got cold? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'd go out there, yeah, and we had – actually, I finally ended up getting some old felt bunny boots, but yeah. they weren't this rubber rubberized when they were felt. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I'd taken – you know, put some uh, – you know, about three pair of socks on them, and you're probably good for about 30 minutes. But, you know, I mean, you're out, you know, out there trapping or hunting, and it's 20, 30 below – so we'd, we'd go out there and, and make sure we always had something to start a fire with, you know. And we start a fire and stay out there until we couldn't stand anymore, and then we'd warm our feet up. <clears throat> and then finally one day we're out there, and here comes this GI from, from out on base, and he, he, he walks out there on snowshoes, and he's got these rubberized bunny boots on. And, uh, you know, we're talking to him and saying, what the heck is that? And he says, oh, these are the new bunny boots, you know. Yeah. And uh, back then, I don't think they called them bunny boots. But yeah. uh, anyway, and I said, yeah, but aren't your feet cold, you know, because we were sitting around a fire warming up. And he said, oh, no, your feet never get cold. He said, I've stepped in the water with these on and just dumped the water out and put them back on, and, and and I'm fine. Just get to walk, and I'm fine. So, man, first chance I got, I got down to a military surplus store on the south end of town, yeah. and I got me a pair of money, but boy, that was a life changer. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. A lot of yeah. listeners probably don't know what a bunny boot is. I think yeah. the technical term is Air Force severe cold weather boot or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we we've talked about we've talked them a about few, it before a yeah. few times. I mean, they're just like <clears throat> you can't beat big There's oversized nothing rubber There's nothing boots. Better. There's nothing yeah. better. Yep. And they'll. <clears throat> I even tested that thread a few times, not on purpose. You know, I've got them yeah. soaking oh, wet, yeah. filling yeah. a bit and up with water, and just yeah, put it back dump on. them out, dump the water out, and put them right back on, boy. And, yeah, me too. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. I'm assuming they're still issuing those to the yeah, it's, soldiers. Yeah, I think so. Here. You can still get them. Uh-huh. You know, they're yeah, nothing better. They Hard to find. Them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've been trying some. to find a pair for Drew, and I can't find yeah, them. Yeah, I need to buy yeah. another pair too, and I don't know where to start looking. Once you do get a good pair that fits you, they last a long time. Yeah, they last for a long time if you take a yeah. little bit of care of them. You don't yeah. hit them with a chainsaw or something. Yeah. It's like yeah. riding a snow machine. I always wrap my toes with duct tape because that's the first place yeah. it wears is oh, the sides yeah. from your snow machine, you know? Yeah. Yep. But, yeah, they're yep. the best boot there is, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. I remember it seemed like what was the – I remember you telling me some story about the first time you seen a snow machine. Oh, Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> 
yeah, we're out there, you know, walking back to our trap line on snowshoes, you know, and all of a sudden look out in the, and one of the neighborhood kids had got his hands on a snow machine. His dad had bought him one and his little single cylinder thing. And we're walking across this field and he comes flying out into the field and drives by us and makes a big circle in the snow, you know, you know, foot and a half, two foot of snow comes back by. And, uh, I, I remember asking him, I said, what the heck is that? And he says, that's a snow machine. I said, well, what the heck's a snow machine? You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and he says, it's built to ride in the snow. Man, I saw that and I thought, I have got to get me a snow machine. <clears throat> Man, I went home, tried to talk dad into buying me one, you know, he he didn't really believe me. What the heck is a snow machine, you know? So anyway, finally, a, a friend of our family, uh, uh, his son ended up buying one, and then uh, and then, uh, he he left and uh, moved out of town, and then uh, he sold it to me. Mm-hmm. And then I went ahead and bought that, and uh, ten horse skidoo. Yep, and yep. Uh, man, did I put some miles on that thing. <laughs> it was yeah. a whole new ball game. Then I started trapping up north. Up off uh, the, the high, Steese Highway up north, yeah. uh, trapping for Martin. Yeah, because I could I could get up there. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd have to break the trail out with my snowshoes. Mm-hmm. But once I got the trail broke with my snowshoes, then I just jump on the skidoo and go up there. And then I became a Martin trapper. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, oh man, what fun! Yeah, that that definitely changed the game for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, far cry from the machines they have nowadays. But oh yeah. Yeah, these the uh, yeah those yeah, uh, I've actually got one an old one out here that's a little single cylinder thing. And actually today I was out uh, busting some trails so we could hide some Easter eggs and uh, and getting that thing stuck. And oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, geez, that little single cylinder thing. And I've got I got a, a what a couple I got a couple of skidoos that are pretty modern wide tracks and. Real light, and those things will go any place and never get stuck. But that old one, man, I about ate my lunch today. Yeah, that had to be a matter just what you were, what you had versus what you were used to, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, back then, you know, when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, it wasn't bad, but you know, I'm, uh, I'm pushing 70, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think the old machine's not going to get ridden very much anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, I had to upgrade from riding the old single cylinder Tundra, and I was—I think it was that same, that same trail because you told me about it. However many years later, and I went yeah. and cut a trap line in there, and when I'd go down one of them big hills, if I was going back up, I'd have to leave all my heavy stuff at the top, and going back up, I'd have to get off and run alongside it <laughs> to make it back up the hill. Yep. Well, yeah. I wish they still made those little machines like that. I think you can still get those Yamaha Bravos, can't you? I I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I want to say they could quit. They made. They were making them longer than the Tundras, but I think they might have quit making those. I haven't heard of any brand new ones. Yeah. I know those little Tundras were nice because you could just creep along through the trees and yeah. you know, you get stuck, you just get out, move it. Yeah, they're light <laughs> yeah. enough you can move them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that really gets to be a pain. You get. Get buried or get yeah, or give them some overflow. Overflow, yeah. yeah. Those big machines, you know, they're heavy as it is. You fill that track and tunnel full of slush. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you better have a come along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's for sure. 
What year was the flood? Uh, the flood was 1967. 67? Mm-hmm. And the earthquake was 64? Yes. I can't remember. 64 in the earthquake, 67 yeah. on the flood. And if you, yeah. anybody who's lived in Alaska f- that long knows exactly what you talk about when you're talking about the flood or the earthquake. Yeah. The earthquake was, of course, the big one that hit Anchorage and Wiped destroyed Anchorage, half the yeah. city. And Yeah. yeah that uh, the thing. One of the things I remember about the 67 flood, uh, after it receded and everything, uh, there was standing water. Uh I got to hunt ducks and geese for a month after the flood. Yeah. You know, and that flood happened the end of August. But, I mean, man, because there was so much standing water, you yeah. know, the ducks and geese, they just hung around. And then it didn't really get cold right away. It, we kind of yeah. had a pretty nice fall that year. And I do remember that. So, yeah. Wasn't there some story you got a bunch of discount shotgun shells because they had got— Oh, yeah, they got wet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went down I went down to— uh, a sporting goods store, Frontier Sporting Goods, and, and uh, they had a, had a bunch of shells down there for sale. And the, if the boxes got wet, they were selling them for like half off or something. So, yeah. man, I I bought a, <laughs> as many as I could afford to buy out of there. And, yeah, it was great. I had lots of shells. But occasionally you'd pull the trigger and nothing would happen. <laughs> yeah. You'd click and nothing would happen, you know, but that's okay because the next one would probably shoot. You know, so I didn't throw them away. I used them. Yeah. Oh, before I get too long, I had written down, I was going to, I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, before Faith and I got married and she was working at the Pioneer Home, this old lady, we were engaged and she was telling one of the ladies there, and I can't remember who it was, but um, she was, Mar- who are you marrying? Oh, Tyler Friel. And she said, oh, I don't know if you want to marry one of those Friels. They're pretty wise. <laughs> she, told, she, she, told it, she told her some story about how she was remembered, I think it was Gordon, driving through the front of the a grocery store or something. Oh, that was, yeah, a, that, that was, yeah, a, that was the Elbow Room Bar, wasn't oh. it, there on Cushman, right over the bridge? Yeah. Was yeah. it the Elbow Room? Yeah, it's where Tommy's, that big Tommy's, ho- Tommy's elbow room. Where that big hotel is now. Yeah, yeah. They drove it right through or, the front door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was the, that was my dad's younger brother that came up. With. Yeah. My dad, my dad was he wasn't a drinker, but Uncle Gordon was. But uh, yeah, he he like he he thought a lot of me, so I got yeah. treated really good around there. Yeah, I just thought that was that was pretty funny because yeah. all those years later she was. T- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, and Fairbanks was what, maybe seven or ten thousand people at the most. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I don't know, ten thousand, fifteen thousand, maybe at the most. And then yeah. one year, when the pipeline hit, one year it went to uh, oh, like 70, seventy-five 000. or eighty thousand. Yeah, one in one year, yeah, it, yeah. It, boy, it changed it instantly. Yeah, yeah, the earthquake, <clears throat> the flood, the pipeline. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's and that was another. I was going to say because they turned. All that stuff where you guys were talking about trapping, where yeah. like Home Depot and stuff, they t- that was a bit, after they was a big lay down yard. That's where they lay down the 48 yeah. inch they, pipe they, right they there. They came yeah. through there with big D9 cats and they just plowed all those fields and all of, all that woods that, that, that I grew up trapping and stuff and just plowed them down and, and stack pipe up there to haul up north. And that just, you know, just made me sick to my stomach. You know? Yeah. It just, I mean, because yeah, my whole life I'd been trapping out there and hunting out there. And yeah, that was, yeah. I still think about that occasionally because I drive through that main road that goes through there and I, I have flashbacks, you know, to how much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or one time I had this <clears throat> buddy, one of the brothers that I talked about with a goose, the older brother, you know, he, 
uh, him and I trapped a lot together and we're out there and <clears throat> we got trapping for uh, lynx and we got this one set for lynx and and got a got a trap set there and with some a rabbit for bait and and uh, had tracks that went through there but uh, didn't didn't uh, it snowed a little bit and uh, couldn't tell if anything had got caught or anything so we're in there and uh, looking for looking for the trap and uh, can't find the trap and finally finally he found it and we usually had a chain on the trap so length of chain so he picked it up and uh, it uh, snapped hit against his leg and snapped. And just grabbed grabbed his thigh and just grabbed a bunch of fat on his thigh and just Ouch. clamped on it. Ouch. Oh, he started a kai <laughs> You know, dancing around. I'm going, hold still, hold still so I can get because it was double jaw, you know. And uh, so I said, hold still so I can get that thing off, you know. So, so I'm laughing the whole time because yeah. he's dancing around like a little girl. You know? <laughs> I finally got him, got a hold of it and got it loose. And, you know, and, and of course, then we were done, you know, for the day. But you now fast forward here about a week or so, we're out checking other traps. And I got another one that's missing, you know. So I'm looking for the trap and I've got both my hands down on the, on the snow and I'm, I'm feeling for it. And it snapped and it caught both my thumbs. <laughs> And so, boy, I got payback from him. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> he had a better laugh than I did. I mean, I could, when both your thumbs are caught, you cannot yeah, squeeze the done. jaws to get out of that trap. Yeah, I caught both mine in one of those number nine wolf traps. Yeah. Oh man. Trying to set it, man. Stamped yeah. on both thumbs. Yeah. Osborne was with me. Those have like, those offset jaws, thank goodness. Yeah, man. and I'm yeah. like, help, man, I'm caught, I'm caught. He comes over, looks, he turns around, runs back to his snow machine. I'm like, help me. <laughs> comes back with his camera. He starts hitting. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, that's what, that out there, what we were setting cat sets, and I think I had a, or whatever we had, had a number five was the trap I grabbed out of the box wow. when we made that set, but I'd was re were resetting them and I was like do the old like pull your glove out off your hand a little bit and just fingertips yeah, to that's dust good way to get caught to yeah. dust them off and you're t- or yeah. no I can't, I can't remember what was that or maybe I was setting it I was just setting it pushing it on a tree so I wouldn't have to you know touch my leg and you told you I'm gonna take a picture of you when you catch your hand in there <laughs> and yeah. I sure enough did yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah that one that didn't feel you haven't trapped much if you haven't caught yourself yeah, yeah that's right yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just got to avoid the big traps <laughs> if you can. Uh, 3.30 is the only one that's really that's, scary. That trap scares me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Never got caught in one of those because, man, I got some respect for those. Boy. Yeah. Well, you better have a, a rope or something to let yourself out of them yeah. or you're yeah. going to be yeah. there. Yeah. Something well, to cut yourself free. I started, or a hacksaw <laughs> or something. I started carrying that uh, after I got both thumbs. I started carrying uh, uh some vice grips that I could close and lock and uh, some channel locks, you know, and I always had those in my pocket after that. So, yeah. well, especially for, you know, some of those using like the one fourteens and yeah. Yep. Yeah. I used a lot of one fourteen wolf traps and stuff yeah. and number fives too. Yeah. They're a long, okay. long, double long springs. Yeah. Those are yeah. even trickier. Yeah. Is yeah. a number nine or those coil springs. You can, if you have a screwdriver, you can just pop the springs off the, yeah. Right. 
if, off the uh, if you have ears a free that, hand. If you have a free, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because if your hands are the wrong way, then you can't get your boots on the, well, that on was the, the thing. ears of the trap. My yeah. hand thumbs were down near the ears, so I couldn't get my knees on there to push yeah. it down. Oh, yeah. mercy! Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. In the winters back in those days, and this was the when we grew up here in the fifties and sixties and. And early 70s was just brutal, you know, I mean, it's 40, 50, 60, 70 below, you know. I mean, they say it's never been 70 in Fairbanks, but I've personally seen it several times. Our weather thermometer went to 70, and it was it was, the, it was buried past 70, mm-hmm. Man. you know. And uh, so it's just crazy. Yeah, well, and every, you know, the, all like you go and you can tell, you know, if you know what you're looking at, older part of t- parts of town because all the houses are tiny, you know. Yeah. Easier to heat. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, that's right. Little, well, little heck, I can remember it, back in the 80s when I first came back here and even early 90s, I drove my four-wheel drive pickup all the way down to the mouth of the town and all down the Chena to go bourbon fishing in the winter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> drive it right down the ice. Yeah. yeah. And it was froze all the way through town. And yeah. now it doesn't even freeze. Well, it must. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that's because that power, that power plants pumping hot water yeah i don't know if that's what they're doing or not but it it used to freeze up all the way you could drive a snow machine all the way down that sucker but you can't now yep yeah i even trapped one winter across the tannin there and that was not a problem at all well i remember when i first came here but first november you could cross any river with your snow machine we used to go up there on the chattanooga and blast right across those rivers no problem yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, but thank God that they, the weather eased up. Yeah, that was brutal. Yep. I also uh, was uh, <clears throat> talked about moose hunting a little bit earlier. That's what I wanted to talk about or hear about a uh, little moose camp, hunting moose with grandpa. I remember there's, well, I got some words of wisdom I've heard from you guys over the years. One of the, when he said he'd never back, shoot a moose, he couldn't back a truck up to, basically. Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I've come to understand the value or the, mm-hmm. of that, that first moose I killed with you with you two. Yeah. I, I just remember as soon as that thing flopped over out in the water, oh, yeah. one of you looked at you know what our dad would tell us right now? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, you know, man, he'd have been so pissed. <laughs> Yeah, but but wouldn't he destroy a brand new four wheel drive yeah. pickup to get a moose? He would. <laughs> oh yeah, more than once. I mean, I seen. <clears throat> I don't remember much about it except for sitting in the front seat singing Davy Crockett and you and Britt telling me to shut up because I was going to scare <laughs> the moose. But yeah, yeah. But we, mom's home videos—that's where I noticed all yeah. mine. I yeah. Mean, we knocked over a lot of small spruce trees with that those Ford pickups. I remember, I remember one of her videos there is dad's pickup, the whole back of the pickup's full of planks. And there's got people out there with two handyman jacks jacking this thing up. Oh, it's buried yeah. up to the to the frame and oh, bog. Yeah. We put them through some stuff. I, <laughs> oh, jeez. Jerry and I were driving up by 57 mile. We went camping on the 4th of July and... We decided we were going to take Jerry was going to drive the pickup, and I was riding Dad's brand new four wheel drive. And I'll, the last thing I remember him is telling us, "Keep that thing out of the water." So for some reason, we decided to cross Gnome Creek in this shallow spot. Yeah, we thought. And we then were when shallow. the water came up on the front windshield, 
somehow we made it out of there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the hell we got out of there. I remember that though. But yeah, I, just, I remember yeah, that. I saying, remember that water coming up over the hood and up on the windshield. And yeah. I think we punched it or something. Anyway, it came yeah. out and somehow you keep, it, you keep that truck out of the dang water now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know that. That moose hunt, when those guys first came up here after World War II, there was very few game animals in Alaska. Yeah, there wasn't very much big game. They've been market hunting them for a number of years. Yeah. And then they really clamped down on hunting seasons, and then they started uh, aerial wolf wolf control. That time was right when, basically, they had that Frank Glasser was, or Glazer was working as, you know, they were poisoning them. Yeah, they were dead (laughs) plane crews killing 200 wolves a year. And several of those working, and they were using that, that cyanide. Yeah, or cyanide not, guns. Not cyanide, but we were two four D. Yeah, or something, or, or some like that. Yeah, then yeah. they would dump in bait piles of poison, and uh, yeah, well, poison bait piles they put out. Yeah, well, so they they really beat the wolf and bear population back, and then that's kind of what made well that, all all between that and the restricting of hunting. That's when we had that big. Explosion of game animal populations yeah, in, the in six, the 60s and early 70s. Yeah, it was just crazy. Well, and, they, and they say it was him, you know, that him is when he first is referenced in that book, you know, that in the Wolfman book that he had got is when he first got those getters, those cyanide guns. Yeah. yeah. That he went up on the Taylor Highway up in that 40 yeah. mile country and was basically single handedly responsible for. Yeah. Like the big boom of moose he had through that oh, yeah. whole 40 And caribou as well. You know, he, when he came through that and down there at Healy, that one valley, valley, if you go out on that stampede trail towards where the bus was, it opens up into a big valley. He said there was, at one point, there was, he figured between two and 400,000 caribou in that. Was that whole Kuskokwim herd? Yeah, yeah. the whole herd moving yeah. in there. And that was all after they'd started all that aerial wolf control. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they hammered him. I remember I, I went down there, uh, uh, the old man passed away in 70, but uh, spring of 71. But uh, anyway, he, and, and I can remember I, I, I left and was outside for a year, and then I came back, and uh, uh, me and, and a couple, two of my buddies, uh, or three of my buddies, we went hunting down the Stampede Trail, and then we went down there, and... Uh, we got down there and, and uh, camped in this this bus on that has been a lot of stories written about that, and uh, then down below it, you kind of went up in the high hills. Well, we got up there, and we ran into a, a herd of caribou up there, and there must have been, I don't know, tens of thousands. Probably that herd had drifted in there out of the park, and uh, we ended up. Uh, Kind of seen which way they were going, and so we had an old four wheel drive. We drove up there, and we kind of stopped the truck, and we got out, and we're watching. <clears throat> and uh, pretty quick, here comes this these big bulls towards the end of the herd, and so I'm, I remember, man, I th- I saw a big one, so I threw up, and shot, and bang, down he went, and then started watching, and pretty quick, here come a bigger one, bang. <laughs> Down he went, <laughs> and then and then it, it it seemed like the longer the closer we got to the herd, the bigger. And then finally, here comes another one. Bang! Here's another one, and my friends were doing the same doggone thing. So we ended up and we had got one bull earlier in the trip. So we ended up with twelve caribou and one bull moose. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Jeez, we cut up. We cut, I cut up meat for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> me and me and my buddies, you know. 
I remember that one video that mom took and you guys can tell the story because all I know about is the video, but she shows and there's snow on the ground. I think it's over off the Taylor Highway, but she shows the four-wheel drive pickups taking off, heading out towards town. They got stock racks on them, you know, yeah. on the back. Oh, yeah. And there's two or three of them, and they're packed clear to the top of those stock racks with quarters. Yes. And then she pans back around with the camera and swings it around. There's like 13 bull moose heads. Yeah. And I don't know how many, maybe just as many caribou heads sitting there just in a row. And Dad just drove them off and left them all laying there. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, that'd be thousands of dollars worth of horns. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just cutting I, yeah. them off and selling them. And, and I was sick about it. I was a horn yeah. hunter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was about 13. I mean, I was, you know, I didn't care how, how much meat was on that moose. I wanted the horns. And the well, old You man, remember the, that, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the old man made us leave all those horns there. Jeez. Can't make soup out of them. Yeah. Can't eat the, can't eat the dang horns, he said. Yeah, what was it that he, because you always used to tell us, he always cooked just burnt, you know, everything, toast, and that's yeah. growing up. But what was it you were telling me you, you guys wanted wanted him to make or something, and it was depression food, so he wouldn't make oh, Shit on the shake, or no, biscuits and gravy. Or corn mush. Or yeah, <laughs> it was a corn, corn beef and... Uh, and gravy on Corby toast. Fish, yeah. <laughs> and he, he called it shit on the shingle. And he says, we ain't eating that. That's damn depression food. <laughs> yeah. he li- uh, they, they lived pretty rough. I think they had a hard time. I can remember yeah. Uncle Pont telling me all they had to yeah. eat for a long time was onion sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah, they had, uh, yeah. Pont told me, he said they got in the spring, you got a pair of pants. In the fall, you got shirt, shoes, and a coat. That's what you got. Your, and then grandma, uh, great grandma, she got mad. She says, "What are you doing buying those, buying those kids those shoes? You're you're throwing money. They don't need shoes. <laughs> you're throwing money away." True story. That was Grandma Wolfie. Yeah, she drove her crazy. We wore yeah. shoes. <laughs> what a true waste story. Of money. Oh man. Yeah, Grandma Wolfie. Wouldn't there? Wish we could have talked to her more and got some stories. That, yeah. that woman. Because didn't she come across? She across came the across the place wagon. in a covered wagon. Yeah. 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 From, from Missouri from, to Colorado in a covered wagon. Yep. And they settled uh, up there in, uh, what was that? They Guffey. Settled it? Guffey. In Guffey, Colorado. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 10,000 oh, 10, foot above sea level. Homesteaded, I think, didn't yeah. they? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that reminds me. Who was it that was, because you'd said something. About the good old days, and then they said, "Oh, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> mom's mom's Bad younger brother, mom's brother, Uncle Johnny." Yeah, he says, "Good old days." I hated the good old days. <laughs> he says, "I grew up in the good old days, and I didn't think they were so damn good." <laughs> I hated them. He said, "I remember he said that they'd have the, the wind would kind of blow through the walls in that old cabin they had. It was all just one or two big rooms, and so they." Yeah, he said he remembered looking out. And see the stove glowing. They had to get it so hot that the stovepipe would start to glow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had to cut all the firewood by hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was worth the bad old days. Chopping holes nice for water or something. Yeah. And didn't he yeah. do something about yeah. it? Was He pulled out his, like, McDonald's senior citizen coffee card or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he said, yeah, we, I took him to McDonald's. I was, let's go get some coffee and stuff. Uncle John, so we went to McDonald's, and uh, we'd been talking about the good old days in there while we were sitting in there, 
And then he, he whips out this McDonald's coffee carton, and he says, those weren't the good old days. I hated those days. <laughs> he, says, he says, you see this? He says, if I go up there and I hand this to one of these kids working up here, I get a free <laughs> cup of coffee. These are the good old days. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Moose Camp, what they uh, sounded like, Grandpa was the type of, didn't you, you talk about shooting a moose in a bad spot or getting the truck stuck, and he'd just sit up there and watch you? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, we'd come up, you know, he finally let me start driving. <clears throat> so I drove a rig, and he drove a rig, and we come up to this swampy, muddy area, <clears throat> and I'd get up to it, and I'd just punch the dang thing and get all the way through it. And Dad, he just poke along, go slow, and pretty quick, he's buried, you know, I mean, completely buried, you know, so I'd have to stop and go back, you know, and uh, grumbling and stuff, and get out the planks, and the handyman jacks, and jack and plank, and jack and plank, and finally get out of there, so, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> I was uh, up at the head of Little Champion Creek here a few years back, and I got my metal detector, and I thought I'd go up there, maybe find a nugget, and I'm out there, and that tundra flat spot up there i'm swinging all of a sudden beep i pull out a tire weight balancing tire weight <laughs> from way back in there they had a champion yeah. I, i'm thinking to myself i'll bet you i'll bet you that's dad's yeah or, oh, yeah we were stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> those you know? guys did break out most of those trails back there i mean oh, the, yeah. the gold miners put the dredge in but those guys are the ones that push those trails back over the yeah. hill and the moose creek and well, yeah, somebody had a pickup up there because, I mean, yeah. why else would there be a tire yeah. weight? Yeah, I guarantee it was dead. <laughs> yeah. What it, what it, yeah, was it up there that there was that story where you, you'd been driving driving the road every day the whole and finally had enough, said there ain't no moose here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dad went out and killed two or something. <laughs> yeah, well, we went up the hill, and, and uh, Jerry decided to stay there, and he'd been driving this one route every day. So Dad said, well, we'll go up there and shoot a moose. So. <laughs> We were about 15 minutes out of camp when the shooting started. And I, I'm, I'm a, I, Big bull, huge bull. Yeah, I, I was in there drinking coffee or something, and I, and I stepped out of the old old miner's cabin there, and I heard this bang, 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 and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> so, man, I jumped to the truck and raced up there. Sure, shoot, he killed one just about exactly where he said it was going to be. Yeah. And I'd been driving the thing for a week and hadn't saw anything, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man, they uh, and when there there was a story. I think it was from when you're younger. You guys, who was that that brought the uh, or found an old newspaper article about you guys getting? It was in the winter. You guys were rabbit hunting or something and oh, yeah. with Grandpa and got stranded overnight. And it was when Dave Lanny had to go out with the plane to try <clears throat> to spot you yeah. guys, huh? Yeah, we went out. Uh, it was I think we went out the Live and Good Road out there. And <clears throat> went out grouse hunting, and uh, his dad, you know, he liked grouse, so we'd go out grouse hunting, and, and it had snowed about six, eight inches or something like that, and dad had an old Plymouth, four-door Plymouth, and uh, just threw us, kid, me, us kids in there. I think it was me, and wasn't it me and you, Britt? I didn't go on that trip, no. No. <clears throat> anyway, there was a couple of us in there, a couple of us kids in there, and then... Uh, and I think my dad and his younger brother, and it might have been one of my girl cousins or something with us, and went out there. And we got out there and got about three miles off the road. And uh, it just kept snowing and snowing, and we got stuck and just buried that car and couldn't get out of there. And uh, 
and then finally, uh, lucky for us, you know, uh, is that our neighbor was uh, worked for a fishing game, but he also had a, a super cub. And so he got out, and uh, my mom called him, and he got out, and he started flying every road up and down these roads looking for us till they found us. Mm. And they finally, they finally found us and landed and picked us up. <laughs> but boy, was my mom mad at him <laughs> for taking us kids out <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. And didn't he? Didn't he shoot a hole in in her, one of her cars or something like oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sighting in the gun. Yeah, laying yeah. laying on the top of laying over the top of the hood of my mom's car. And uh, I tried to tell him you're going to shoot a hole. In the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Shut hold up. Still. still. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably exactly what I said. Huh? I remember. Uh, I said it too because I he nicked it once before. I saw yeah. a little, the old land barges east. They had fin, not fins, but they had raised edges or folds on the fenders. And I saw where a bullet had just ticked it, and it looked like that barrel was shooting, aiming right at it. And I said, you know, you're going to shut up. <laughs> okay. Yep. Put a big old hole in it, too. It kind of ripped it, you know, hit it right, right in the crease and ripped it back like that. And, yeah, made sighting a men caught an adventure. But <laughs> yeah, and we uh, one of our moose camps, Tyler. Your listeners are probably interested in, and you've probably shared with him, but that the bus for. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, the end of the wild bus. Yeah, yeah. we we spend many nights at that bus, and uh, that was our old oh, moose camp. Many nights. Yeah, yep. <clears throat> old moose camp. Yeah. Well, and I was a lot of memories. I think I was bus. well. I was asking uh, Coke Wallace. You, I mean, you knew Coke, and I mm-hmm. uh, was asking, you know. Said it was, you know, a pretty nice, you know, had, it was a pretty nice setup back in yeah. back in the day. Yeah, it was. I think it had a little wood stove in there, as I recall. Yeah, they had a little wood stove in there and uh, some bunk yeah. beds or no, or just I can't remember. Yeah, some cots bunk, or bunk something. beds and stuff in there. And yeah, it was it was pretty nice. That's like those uh, that guy that uh, died in there. You know, uh, he should have just stayed there. You know, because there was no, nothing wrong with that thing. But, you know, then, then he walked. He decided to hike out. So he, he waited till you know, he was about freezing. He started walking out, and he walked. He was more than halfway out. And then he turned around and walked back to the bus. You know. And ended up dying in there. Sometimes and, you just got to get rid of some jeans. Yeah. <laughs> I and mean. I know exactly where, he, yeah, exactly where he turned around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was more than halfway out. If he just kept walking, he'd have got out yeah. alive. It was kind of a bad deal. Yeah. But some yeah. of the locals started to talk him out of going back in there before yeah. he even went in there. It was a bad deal. But like I say, you know, yeah. take him out of the gene pool. I mean, because yeah. he was an idiot. Some people have shouldn't get off the highway. Yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> Yeah, well, a lot of, I mean, even even nowadays, you know, it doesn't really take, there's a million things that can go wrong and get you in trouble. You, you got know? that right. Yeah, well, <clears throat> but all you got to do is follow the road out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what initially got him in trouble is there is he didn't, you know, you got to understand that river goes, the Teclanica goes up and down. Oh, yeah. Right? You can, you might be able to wade it in the winter, but if the river goes up, you ain't getting across that thing, right. man. It's a, well, a and then he was, eating, you know, there. didn't. Yeah. Was was eating stuff they think that ultimately poisoned, poisoned him. Poisoned him. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh we we uh took a lot of moose out of there. We still got pictures oh, and yeah. videos of that yeah. and for years, uh, yeah. Driving yeah, like 
Totally. Hard on the four-wheel drive vehicles, but driving them in water, coming in the cab. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, remember, I do remember that. And those are those high-wheeled four-wheel drives, too. Oh, yeah. you know? yeah. I can remember having to sit up in the seat and get my butt off the seat because the water was yeah. that deep. Yeah, just yeah. I don't know how far away it was from going into the carburetor, those old engines, but it couldn't have been too far. But, yeah, and I was back in there a few years ago, and I just... I, it was in the summer. I just couldn't believe how much water was coming down that river, man. Yeah. Because I, I always remembered it in late September and October when it goes way down. Yeah, well, that's a, that's we hunted the end of September. Yeah, right. And the uh, end of September, first week of October is when the seasons were back then because we knew, too, that the water would be down yeah, there. Yeah, it's the only way you could get Everything back was starting there. to freeze up then, yeah. so. Yeah, because yeah, you got, got pictures of trucks right there at the bus. Oh, yeah. With oh, yeah. Moose oh, yeah. and caribou oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think we ever went, uh, uh, let's see, I can't remember how far we went back in there. See, the next river is... Savage. The, the Savage is before. It's and the before. Savage is first. And then it's the Tech, and then it's the... Uh, the um, Toad no. Or is it a smaller one? No. The, it's, the it's Tech small. is the big river at the end. Yeah, there's another one further back down. I can't ever remember going to the... Well, I take that back. We did go to the next one one time because I remember camping right there. Um, well, I know the name of the river. I wasn't trying to remember. I think, the, I think the end one is the Teklanika. No, it's, it goes past. It goes way past. The road goes way past. No, the I mean tech. the road goes past it, but I think that's the big river. Mm, could be. Yeah, I thought the Toklat was the next one over, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. Yeah. Anyway, we went remember. we went past the the Tok, past the Savage. You can get through the Savage in in the summer. Yeah, Savage is a piece of cake. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's that Teklanika that can stop you. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the one that always everybody always was drowning in. Yeah, there's been got across and couldn't get. That's back. That's why they finally whatever, took yeah. the bus out of there to keep people from going back in there. That, yeah. And because then you got to go rescue them, and it puts everybody else's life in danger yep. trying to get across that yeah. river. When did. Uh, when did you guys start getting running the Cantishna boat? River? Sorry, oh, the Cantishna okay, is yeah. the next yeah. one. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I think we went one time, went clear back to the Cantishna. I know we did because we camped there. Yep. When did you guys start uh, running boats and stuff? When did Grandpa start getting them? Just... Well, he didn't know about. He never did. Grandpa get never did. He never had a boat. Uh, Vern Boyles. I think was yeah. one of the uh, a couple of dad's friends had it. Vern Boyles had some. Uh, uh, Billy Platts. Billy Platts had, had one. Yeah, Uncle Gordon had one, and I don't know why dad didn't have one. It just it never made any sense to me. And finally, when I uh, uh, I got older, I came up here and worked by myself, and I, I worked for uh, dad's friend Vern Boyles, and, and he had an old wood fiberglass. Uh, boat, a red that, uh, white he one. Sold, yeah, he sold me. Yeah, the old uh, red and white one. Yeah, and he took me out on the Chino River, and we ran and uh, ran it up and down the Chino once, and, and he says that's all the instruction you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> Forty horse motor, I suppose, or fifty. Yeah, it was or a fifty horse, fifty horse problem. Well, it had a seventy five horse, and then a, a fifty horse. But the seventy five horse seized up mm. not too long after I had it. And, uh, Mm-hmm. So for, I ran that forty or fifty horse for years. Prop or jet? Uh, both. I, I I put the prop on when the water was deep, mm-hmm. and when I was in a shallow river, I'd put the jet put on. The jet on. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just change them out. Got pretty fast at changing them out. 
Yeah, know. that's quite the learning learning curve. Well, you guys talked about going down to Tangle Lakes and stuff when you were oh, yeah. kids. It's amazing yeah. what because that, yeah. that can get pretty pretty dicey. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, they take those big plywood boats clear down to where I wouldn't even want to try now. And we've got jet boats with tunnels in them now. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they, I mean, yeah, I remember going way down down the Delta River and those things. Amazing, actually. Yeah, people took those old boats all over Alaska. Well, you guys go from Tangle Lakes and then go down, down the Delta River. Go down the Delta River through the through. I don't know how many lakes we went through down there. Yeah, huh. eventually, I think there's a waterfall, but it's, yeah, yeah, there is. We never made it that far, but uh, I remember camping down there. I go yeah, down there. Yeah, I could. You could. You could hear it. Yeah, Imagine that we mouth was probably pretty went. good fishing back in the day. Oh, fantastic yeah. fly fishing, yeah. I think it's, well, I don't big, know, still big grazing, is, but, yeah. huge grazing and stuff. and Yeah, it was great. Yep. The good yeah. old every, days. Every cast. And yeah. then you go out there in, in the evening and fish for Lakers and, and catch Lakers. But usually it was, you had to stay up late. You had to stay up to yeah. about midnight because they'd come into the, they'd come out of the lake and they'd come into the river. And uh, to feed on grayling. Yeah, and, uh, it was Mackinac. Yeah. Yeah, yep. a lot of, uh, I mean, that trip quite a few times. That was kind of an annual thing. Probably a lot of yeah. salmon smolt in there, too. I, I would, would imagine. imagine. Yeah, yeah. there was there was a lot of kings that, that spawned in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, boats are what you told me. Spend a lot of money on a lot of stuff. and <laughs> Never uh, never regretted spending the money, the Boats are a lot of fun. We yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun in those boats. And your oh, second boat was that old 24-foot of Wachita, wasn't it? That flat bottom of Wachita? Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice boat. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. wish I, I would have kept it. Yeah. I ran that thing <clears throat> everywhere. Yeah. Little flat bottom one. It's nice yeah. and light. If you got it stuck, you could get it off. Remember me, you, and Britt, and Tyler's mom there. Up <laughs> on the Yukon, we... Oh, that yeah. was that boat? Hey, put that thing clear up on the sandbar. Me and Jerry are <laughs> looking at the map, trying to figure out where we're at. <laughs> Look up and, completely. oh, too fleet now. <laughs> and I'd be completely out of the we water. completely <laughs> dried off that thing, man. You could have. And she was seven, eight months pregnant yeah, with you. Yeah, Tyler was on that trip. <laughs> yeah, Tyler was on that trip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. funny. That happens. But, man, what fishing. Yeah. Oh, we hit it man, right. yeah. I mean, we hit this one little slough there. This is no lie. Every cast for an hour and a half, two hours, Yeah, we had a fish on. Yep. And then the more was, of them you caught, the bigger they got. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah then, the longer we fished, the bigger they got. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. <clears throat> yeah. I got a, that picture of you with that one. It's like 49 inches. I can't remember how big it was. It was 49 can, inches. It was the biggest pike I ever caught. I, I got the that. photograph. I wrote back on the back. I can remember pulling into the lower mouth of Burr Creek <clears throat> and pulling up there and tying up to the bank and, and casting. And I cast it over the, towards the other bank and started reeling. And, and I went, all of a sudden, I went, oh, shit, I'm snagged. And I went, ah, ah. And boy, all of a sudden, man, my snag took off. <laughs> 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 it's about a 15-pound pike. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. All that, yeah, reading the map. The, sometimes in big rivers, it can be easy to, like, I think, I think this last summer, I think Rob, or they were up in front and uh, in front of me, and you were running behind me and your big old inboard. And I think they were reading, was looking at the GPS or something. But this channel, I start looking, I'm like, I'm seeing little gravel over here and little gravel over yeah. here. I'm like, oh, this could be interesting. And then yeah. you go fly. You know, I feel my 
ass into my boat pickup, and then you go flying by me. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> and I, I could see the ground. I could see the gravel like in your I, wake. Oh yeah, I seen all that happen, <laughs> and I said, "Well, I if I even try to turn around and slow down, I'm buried." So I just punched it, full throttled it, man, and yeah. and I I felt it. <clears throat> Yeah. Touch a couple Boy. little times, and I'm like, okay, from now on, I'm not going to follow people. I'm going yeah. to read the <laughs> river myself. I didn't get in trouble. I've got <clears throat> trouble reading, reading my GPS instead of reading the river. It can get you in trouble. Oh, yeah. Yep. I've been stuck probably worse than anybody in the state of Alaska has been stuck in my <laughs> Well, I was, that kind of ties into one of my word, words <laughs> of wisdom, which was, it, you know, one of the things Jerry's always told me, you know, even before I ever got a boat, you all, always wait. You know, a good week, a week after for the ice to all flush out after breakup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, you got to let it flush people, out. That's a good idea to do. People don't don't understand how how these rivers up here can – they're not – there's no dams on them. It, they're all wild, and, and they can change. And do change. And, and sometimes just in a matter of a day a or two. Days, yeah. yeah. And, and all – I've got tracks. I used to run the upper ten and all that. I've got tracks where I can see on my GPS where I went a year or two before, and it's five it's foot right. out of the water. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so they 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 can change dramatically. And so you you go down a river a week later, you hit the same shot, and you're you're falling. Well, I'll just follow my GPS track. Well, yeah. a lot of times that's really good, but <laughs> sometimes it's not. <laughs> Well, sometimes I mean they can change. We've seen them in a week, in a matter of a week, change ten feet. Sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 But that one, uh, yeah, that's that was a pretty. You'll have to tell. Jer- <laughs> well, I like just, Jerry's version better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of that story. Well, I mean, it's, I was coming back up to town, and the ice had made a dam in the river, and it was forcing the water over gravel bar. And there was plenty of water. I mean, there was a foot and a half of water going over that gravel bar. And I didn't want to turn around and go all the way back down and around and come up a different channel. I thought, I'll just putz around this ice jam and get back in the channel. Well, I got about halfway around there, and it sounded like a stick of dynamite going off. And in a matter of 10 seconds, I was 15 feet from water. and 30 seconds, I was 50 feet from water. In a minute, I was 100 yards from water. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sitting right out there. Sitting. And you weren't driving a canoe. <laughs> no, I'm in mean, my, my boat. The, the hull itself is 3,000 pounds, <laughs> minus motor and fuel. And I was sitting out there with my wife. And we're stuck out there. We're right out in front of the bluff there on the lower uh, Cheetah Pump Road where that big house sits up there. And we're right below there. And that guy, he gets out there and he yells at me. He says, Hey! <laughs> You want me to call somebody? <laughs> I'm like, not really, but I guess you better. <laughs> so then I got the call. <laughs> then he shows up with all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I brought cumlongs and winches and everything. Jacks. Pull, pulled up there and, and pulled up to the mud bank where he was at and, and – and turned off the motor, and, and, he, and Drake says, don't you say a damn word. Because <laughs> I had warned him before he was going out, don't do it. You know, you need to let that stuff flush out for about a week. Because when that ice comes down, it isn't just ice either. It, it's logs and trees. and Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I got, 
while we're on getting stuck and and picking on Tracy Day here a little bit, <laughs> I'm gonna do a little picking on Jerry Day. <laughs> He's got this plan. He's going to take the boys and the dog, and he's going to go up to the Hess Creek and go grayling fishing. He goes, uh, hey, can I use your canoe? I said, yeah, no problem. That's off the hall road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no problem. He says, well, okay, can I borrow your 10-horse motor to put on it? I said, uh, I think that motor's a little too much for that canoe, you know. He goes, oh, I'm Mr. Riverboat. <laughs> I've been driving riverboats since I was born. I said, okay. Anyway... He gets back, and I pull up, and he's unloading everything, and I see the top of my motor's got these scratches on it. <laughs> and I go, oh, how was it? How'd it go, Jerry? He goes, hey, Tracy, I think that 10-horse motor's a little too much for that canoe. <laughs> I go, really? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. It didn't take long to flip oh, that in the river. Oh, yeah. you get a little too much power on something like that, man. It's... It's dangerous. Feels like it's instantly. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It is so easy to not pay attention for thirty seconds, and then then you got a do- then, then you got a dog and a kid jumping around in a, something yeah. that's not stable to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you got a ten horse motor on there flipping you sideways, and the yeah. kids or and the any, dog panic. And any yeah. boat, really, even these tunnel boats. You know, yeah. you can. I've dry docked them. <laughs> Well, you can well, drop in. in I the, sunk my twenty-four footer in the Wood get, River, and and another thing a lot of people <laughs> understand is that most of the rivers up here don't run clear ever, right. except maybe under the ice. And so, <clears throat> I remember when the first time we went up on the Yukon, I had two guys with me that didn't even run boats, but I'm running downstream, and the Yukon River is huge. It can be like a half mile or a mile or a mile and a half wide. And the wind's blowing up, and it and it's chopping, and you can't read the water. So I'm just in a modified state of panic the whole time. <laughs> right. You know, going down, because I know if you get stuck out in the middle of it, and it's a quarter mile <laughs> to the bank, that you're going to be there for a while, you know. So, okay, no, it was, it was scary, you know, trying to just make sure you got enough water under your boat, you know. Yeah, yeah I started carrying a parachute in mine. Yeah, I've heard guys using that. Was that before something came up? I don't know if it was on a, I don't know if it was on a podcast or what. Something came up about the when you got whatever stuck in your grate and had to go swimming. Oh, that was him. No, this is no. This it was last year. Refresh me. Last year when well up on the Yukon, you had to kind of get. Well, up up on the Yukon, yeah, I had to get in there. My grate was plugged up with trash. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that was, uh, I know what you're talking about. That was down in Middle Flats. But we went in the other way, uh, down the Tanana, mm. Swan Neck Slough, yep. and up there. And pulled into this little oxbow that goes off there. And, and uh, I didn't realize it was, my boat was a little new i hadn't had it for very long and that boat will suck stuff three four foot off the bottom when you huh. when you romp on it and i filled it full of weaves and twigs and grass and that swamp grass and couldn't get my rake in there so i had to dive underneath there and pull it yeah. all out and so did jerry and susan <laughs> but yeah. we had to pull all the grass out and then i had to take the plate off the top of the if you lift up the motor there's a little cover for your that's right above your intake and where your impeller's at. Had to get in there with my pocket knife and 
Man, you it was, really had it wound up It was just there. bound up around there. Yeah, a lot of people understand a boat, a <clears throat> propeller just pushes water. A, a jet unit has an impeller. Right. It sucks water in from the bottom and shoots it out the back, but it'll also pull in. Well, we've, yeah, we've all been there. Oh, you yeah. get rivers so full of trash and sticks and stuff, you can't even operate a jet unit. Oh, yeah, it just makes you want it. You got to stop every five yeah. minutes and unplug yeah, it. Just, or worse, or worse. Yeah, yeah. A, every, lot, a lot of. I mean, a lot of those those jet motors. They just don't. You get anything stuck in. Yeah. You know, like a little the one I've got. You get any. You little know, you rock can tell the in there. Yeah, the start you get got. that vibration in it. Because yep. yeah. it's their way. They're yeah, the way they're designed <clears throat> to like suck water up in in like the smoothest non. You know, with yeah. not without causing cavitation. Right. And any time you interrupt that, I think you, and get, you get that water, yeah. you get cavitation, and get that big V eight you got in a high volume jet like you've got in impeller. Just yeah, oh, yeah. suck I'll, anything up. I suck there. rocks foot off the bottom, yeah, or or even farther than that. If you yeah. you know like at the bank, and you kind of rev it up, yeah, yeah, you can suck rocks right off the bottom of the ocean, of the river with it. Mm-hmm. We'll give you a turn, son. I promise. But uh, yeah, no, all those boats are fun, and it's 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 quite the learning curve. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, only I just irritated because oh, yeah. I bought my new. You know, I'm talked about on the podcast before. Bought my got that new motor a couple of years ago. Was that one? I, I was mad because I finally got to where I could fix just about anything that wasn't a major a major problem with it. And then, a metal two stroke. Yeah, had mm-hmm. a couple major problems, but yeah, they're. They're a lot of fun. They they're money pits, but they're yeah. they're fun. You can do a lot of stuff with them. Oh, yeah. Get people that say, "Oh, yeah, I've been driving a boat for twenty five years. They never got stuck. Well, then you ain't never been anywhere." Then. Yeah. <laughs> it happens to everybody. Because everybody I know that goes anywhere has been stuck. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You just don't completely. You just hope that you don't drown somebody in the process. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If someone says, if someone says, if the guy driving the boat says, "Hang on, yeah. brace yourself." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. That's what I liked about that old twenty-four footer. That I, got I think that's a courtesy Jerry. to tell somebody to hang on. <laughs> uh, yeah. No doubt. Jump gravel bar or jump beaver dams and everything with it. Yeah. Well, I think the other one of the other things I've written down. You always told me, "Oh, make sure you tie off your boat good." Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, 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 after losing a boat there, I finally got it, but I had to run downstream. Dive in the water. Oh, geez, dive in the water to get it. I finally started putting an anchor in, yeah. too. So I tie off, and I still do a tie off, and then I drop an anchor. Yeah, too. I never yeah. forget that. I do the same thing just because of that story. Well, before I got my boat, when I was kind of common, had his boat commandeered, I think it was like, the first trip of the year of the spring, oh, years ago, I mean, it's probably, probably 10, 11 years ago, up on the China, and one of my buddies came with, one or two of my buddies came with just to run up from uh, that landing Chain by your house, yeah, yeah, run upstream and make sure everything's running good, and <clears throat> for some reason, we decided to, like, pull over and kind of pop, nose up to this cut bank and look at something or other, and my one buddy was, like, kind of tying it to a dead a dead tree kind of on its side there and yeah. I said no Take we gotta we gotta we gotta tie this good and i was telling him because my uncle told me about this time where he and i'm pulling on the bow line and the bow line's coming but the boat's going that way <laughs> <laughs> you know, the boat's going out in the current and i i see the end of the bow line bow and line it, wasn't tied up well no. it was one of those uh 
it was one of the the type. It was one of the cheap like clips with the wire retainer. Yeah. And when I pushed it into the bank, it popped that off. And I yeah. man, it was close enough that I got it on one jump. I got a hold of the bow and pulled myself up in there. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, it can happen. Yeah. Yeah, you can get in trouble up here in Alaska if you lose your boat. Yep, big time. <clears throat> yep. I was also gonna well talk well sheep hunting and stuff because you had you've done a fair bit of both. You you guys both guided sheep hunting and when was the first time you guys went sheep hunting? Do you remember? Mine was nineteen eighty four. Yours, Jerry, was probably when we went up Black Rapids, huh? You, Britt, and George Rigard? No, Ricky, uh, Ricky Knott. Yeah, Rick Knott, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, geez, bet. That was uh, back in the 70s, I think. Britt was in high school, weren't you? Would have been 70... 74. 74. Or I 75, somewhere in there. Yep. Because I remember I was, I'd, I'd planned a sheep hunting trip. Yep, 75. Yep, would have yeah, been 75. For uh, a, a long time in... Uh, my uncle Gordon had, had my dad never sheep hunted, but my uncle Gordon had and killed some. And I decided I want I needed to go sheep hunting, so I planned this trip for about a year and a half. And then come falls right during the pipe when they built the pipeline up there, and I was working for this contractor, lady contractor, and, and uh, <clears throat> so I I told uh, had a, a a buddy of mine that worked for as an estimator, and I told him he says okay, you know, and, and come August. I'm going sheep hunting, and uh, <clears throat> and he's okay, you know. And uh, so anyway, I reminded him back then. It got to be about July, and I says, "Remember, I says, you know, August first or whatever. As soon as sheep season on, I says, I'm going." And he and he says, "Okay, I'll I'll tell Hazel was the gal's name that owned the company." And he says, "I'll I'll tell her." And uh, so anyway, and then he he went and talked to her, and then he come back and he says, "Oh man." I don't know. I'm not going to say this and that. He says, uh, she told me to tell you if you put her in a bind when you were gone, you could just find yourself a new job when you come back. And I says, don't have to worry about it. You tell her that uh, I'm going sheep and if she don't like it, I quit. <laughs> and uh, so that's <laughs> that's when I went sheep hunting for the first time. So, Yeah. How'd you get... Um well, I guess, how'd you get squared away? Like, like gear, did Gordon, you know, kind of line you out on gear to use? Or uh, well, it was no, different, he, it was Uncle a different Gordon day. Was, was gone back in those days, oh. you know, and I just, I did we a Borrowed a tent from Walker's. Yeah, borrowed a little a teepee, no floor. Yeah. Yeah. Cotton, cotton tent. Yeah. Made cotton. out of cotton. Yeah. No floor. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, uh. Wonder we survived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a wonder. Yeah. I was yeah. totally out of my element there, but, uh. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad, you know, so we got out of there anyway, okay, with some sheep, so. Was that when you killed that one? Yeah. That smallest the, one? The smallest yeah. one, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> that was when old, uh, of course, it might not make sense to your listeners, but uh, that was a, when the Black Rapids Glacier was almost down to the river. Right, yeah, yeah. you could yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah. Really, oh, literally. Yeah. Walk, yeah. We had to walk up that glacier, and the glacier now is receded. You can't even yeah. see can't it hardly. see it anymore, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, quite an adventure, actually. I remember walking and still got pictures of it somewhere, yeah. walking on the ice. Um, yeah, didn't seeing that grizzly bear, yeah. Didn't you end up shooting that one from the hip or something like that? You were saying that you'd come around the corner of a, some ridge line or something like that? 
I remember it happening because what had happened, a jury went up on this ridge, and Rick and I were down in the camp, and as he was sitting up on the ridge, that ram walked up on the ridge because I remember he shot it, and it rolled like for a quarter of a mile Yeah. down the hill. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. rolled a long ways, end over end. I figured yeah. it would break both the horns off, but it didn't. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then... Um, that when we that's when we had to float the de- the little raft over the Delta River. Yeah. We made it back but then the the raft got blown by the wind into the river, scared somebody. They saw it and thought we drowned, so they called the cops or something. Anyway, some the cops wound up showing up to, to check see if someone wasn't dead there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that canyon, the wind used to really blow down that main canyon there, so. Well, that river's cooking <clears throat> right there too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know that it's and that's it's crazy because you read that book by glasser and he claimed when he owned the black rapids lodge that he could throw in his pack wade the delta river get up in the hills and be back to his uh back to the lodge before night with a ram well huh. you can't wade the delta river not now you can't <laughs> no impossible so I don't know whether it braided out or, or, or maybe it was just well, colder that, and it didn't have the near the flow. Or. Well, that riverbed is like a mile across. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just gravel where yeah. the thing has gone back and forth over the years. Yeah, so, knows, yeah. maybe, it, maybe that was the reason. But, yeah, uh, yeah that, that, that was Natural cool. rapids are pretty short. Yeah. Just a short little stretch yeah. there. And uh, I think it was colder then, so there wasn't as much water flowing through it either. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, in the summer around here, it's not necessarily cold weather, that uh, rainy weather that makes the rivers go up at can, but that hot weather up in those glaciers oh, will, yeah. will even on a daily basis, the river can fluctuate like a few feet up and down just yeah. from the daily cycle. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of those creeks, I mean, I can, I can only imagine how, uh, yeah, definitely tough going with some of the gear, you know, and probably a lot of times lucky. That's not. I remember you telling. I'd, I'd say this because I had my had my own issues. To all I can't say I wasn't warned. Always use real rain gear. Yes. You told me years and years ago. Unless you want to die. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Can't beat Healy Hansen. <laughs> Some big old. They're not gonna. They're not gonna fail you. Use real rubber rain gear. Don't go with the breathable junk. Yeah, with that breathable rain gear, and the wind was blowing, it was raining, and, and it was going through, and it was running down my legs and filling my boots up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, that went, was... I went down to the to the sportsman's uh, uh, place that I bought it, and, and and says, you know, I want my damn money back. I says, you know, you sold me these breathable rain. I says, I darn near died up in the mountains. Yeah of hypothermia because of your breathable rain gear. They didn't give me my money back. <laughs> I didn't, after that. Yeah. I mean, that stuff's all right for a little sprinkle here and there. Yeah. 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 But oh, that's, that's about it. But for, you but need that. It's a little heavier, that regular rain gear, but it'll save you, boy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I've <clears throat> talked about that extent extensively. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it was a couple of years, yeah, years ago, I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it. It's new. It's it's better now. Well, yeah. you listen to some guys. Maybe it's a new improved. Yeah. <laughs> well, you listen to guys who went on a sheep hunt with it, and they maybe got rained on it a few afternoons a little bit, and it worked. Yeah. But then you get in there when it's raining sideways for yeah, two wind straight days, wind 50 blowing miles 50 miles an hour, hour, and that's not an exaggeration. It can actually happen. Oh, yeah. And that stuff will fail. Yeah. 
Especially up there in those white mountains, man. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen some nasty weather up there. Yeah. Nastier than anywhere else I've ever hmm. been. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I've, yeah. I, I had to. I had to eat, swallow that one. That one pretty hard. <laughs> but I, yeah, I can only imagine how and how tough some of them old timers were that just didn't. I, you. I wonder. You know, it's like, uh, did they? Because the advantage was they could go light. They didn't weren't carrying nothing, so they couldn't. Yeah, you know they did. They didn't. They could go fast, you know. But uh, you also wonder how, oh, you know, yeah. if it was just that they were just tough, or they kind of got lucky, or well, both. <laughs> I think a lot of those guys they just wore wool. Yeah, you know. But you get wool soaking wet, and it, it ain't very warm. But but it'll dry out fast, and it will re- help keep you warm even wet. Yeah, but. Yeah, that's yeah. old Bill Lighty. He's just going to just wear wool clothes, take a tarp to roll up in and sleep. and Very little food. handful of peanuts and a jar full of peanut butter. And yeah. I was just telling me if you ship more than twice on a 10-day hunt, you're eating too much and not working hard enough. <laughs> and the sheep hunting opportunities back then were way... Oh, yeah. I mean... Nobody hunted them. Very yeah, few people. and then, and then right. the feds hadn't locked it all up, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could hunt the Brooks Range in for twenty end. years and never <clears throat> hunt the same place twice. I, I, I would think, you know, just the the vastness of it, and then you yeah. combine that with, well, what's locked up the Wrangles? Yeah, most of the Brooks Range right. locked up. Um, just those two areas right there. Yeah, you well, know, that was kind of it. Was right when they that when they locked all that up that you were going we were still hunting in that country down in the wrangles wasn't it yeah. jimmy carter yep yeah jimmy carter's the one yep. who did it yep the peanut farmer yeah there was a uh, pretty much the sheep hunting opportunities were i mean I remember they Bill. locked up when they locked up the wrangles maybe you guys know better than i they locked up the best doll sheep hunting in the world oh yeah that's where the world's record came from yeah, uh, right off there, the chetna glacier up there on the logan yep. triangle yeah yeah, yeah. I know Bill Lighty telling me back the stroke of a pen. Back in the fifties, he went down to Chitna and they're just on the other side of Haley Creek, went up there on that hill, there's a little bull up there, and he killed two forty five inch rams side by side. Boom boom. Yeah. I've looked at that area on a map, yeah. Two forty five inches. But most of that old area down there now is Well and then even the air you know, even the area that got made into the park, they kinda ruined it, you know, talking to I think uh Lou Bradley, a guy who wrote a, a big volume of sheep hunting books, and he had got Rampage, hired. Yeah. yeah, he'd got hired to go in there, and I think I remember him right telling me that he got hired to go in there and see like what was happening to all the sheep, and it was all you know they figured because they quit the wolf control. I mean, back in all those, which I don't think there'll ever be a new world record sheep. I don't think that record will ever get broke, just because where. You know, the it, the sheep, are, it's not like the same sheep are still there. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. still some big ones. Well, their genetics are but, still uh, there. But they, uh, you know, they had been doing extensive predator control down there, too, yeah. for, for yeah. decades yeah. at that right. point. <clears throat> Most people don't realize that in, in Denali Park, the rangers used to carry rifles. <clears throat> and that was their policy was shoot wolves. Yeah. I had my buddy Steve Coleman. We went over there to Chittenden. He had a plane, airplane. And one day we got this bright idea. Well, I tell him, let's fly up to the Logan Triangle up at the head of the Chittenden River and just look and see what's up there. You know? 
And we went around flying out there, man. We seen some rams. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, I mean, I'm like, hey, Steve, just drop me off here and come back and pick me up in a week or whatever. Makes you want to move to the park. I mean, it was just, and I mean, bands like 15 rams, and they're all huge. You know, and that's just like above uh, Haley Creek or no, Old Brian Creek and Chitna, that first ridge up there. Right by town? Yeah, yeah. It was in June. We were up there because I had that as one of my guiding areas. And I met him there with the plane in June. We were just going to fly around, spot. And right up there, we seen there were three herds of sheep on this one ridge line. The lower band was lambs and ewes, basically. The middle band was probably 30, maybe 30 rams, but they were all like three-quarter or less. And then the top band, there was like 10 or 12 rams, and they were all full curler over. <laughs> and two of them were just corkscrews. I mean, literally corkscrews. Yeah. And I got them on video. Yeah. I was with my 8mm video, and we're buzzing down on them. And as they cross that snow field, you can just see it, whew, just big old. You know, like curl and a half. Yeah. And uh, we went back. We had I had that one sheep hunter that year. We took him out and got him a sheep right off the bat. It was uh, a vet from the valley. Can't think of his Steffens? Name. Steffens, yeah, Steffens. And then me and Steve went back in there, and we flew that whole Toncina area, and we could not find those two rams. And we flew, and we flew, and we flew. Finally, the only place we hadn't looked was up there, Circle Creek, that very south end of the Toncina where it's just goat country and glacier. We flew over there, and I seen tracks in the snow. And we kept buzzing and buzzing. I said, Steve, there they are, man, and sure as crap, both those two big corkscrews mm-hmm. were there with two other rams that were about 40 inches, too. And, okay, well, we found them, so... We went back, landed. We got all of our stuff ready. Because, I mean, it's straight up and down Yeah. to get to it. We got all of our stuff ready. Our, took our <coughs> our uh, tents out and everything. And we put it in a bag. And we buzzed it, and I threw it out of the airplane. Right oh, at the, man. Right at the base <laughs> of the glacier. It was a bunch of our food and everything. You know, get rid of all of our weight. We're only going to go up there with our empty packs, our sleeping bag, and yeah. water. And we figured we'd get up there in a day. It took us two and a half days to get a mile and a half. I mean, it was... Anyway, we get to the base of the glacier. We put up our tent. And, okay, we man, we go to bed. And we get up the next morning, take off. I crawl the tent. There's two great big billy goats sitting on a little knoll about 100 yards above our tent. I mean, just monster billies. Anyway, we hunted up there for like eight days. Well, we had two days where we had no food. Hmm. Just tried every direction we could get to get to those rams, and we just never did see them. <laughs> never could see them again. And then uh, when we finally starved out, I had to go back to work. Steve had to go back. Or, you know, Steve had to go back to work. And went down. I said, "Well, let's fly back over there, Steve." We flew back there. They were still there. <laughs> couldn't get them. But there's uh, well, it's you know the ridge is like this. Yeah, straight up. And down. then there's Glacier going up here. I mean, we walked 10 miles up to Glacier or however far. I mean, way, way farther than we should have, <laughs> for sure. Hmm. And there's just lots of tentacle castle rocks coming out of that peak. And they were just up in there and that. And yeah. 
just could, never could work him out of it. Good luck, yeah, finding that. Yeah. <laughs> and we never did go back after him, but they were, I mean, two humongous rams. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There were at one the good point. Old, the good old days. Yeah, yeah. The, sh- the sheep hunting in Alaska <clears throat> was severely restricted by the feds. Yep, locked up, locked up a lot of country. A lot mm-hmm. of guys, you know, the, some of the old timers around still hunted hunted those spots. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it's it was a, it was and still is a, a matter of conflict between the state and. Uh, Federal feds. agencies. Yeah, just, yeah, they, just go move down to Glen Allen. You can go hunting up there in the Logan if in, Triangle. Yeah, if you live in the park, right? No, if you live in Glen, Glen Allen, you can do oh, it. Oh, really? Even if you live in Glen Allen, you can hunt up there. Only you'd have, and you can, traditional methods. So you can use a riverboat, horses, dogs, or walk, or whatever. You can't fly in. You cannot fly in. But if you could get a riverboat up there to that Logan Triangle, man. I think mm-hmm. you'd be awful happy when you got there. <laughs> yeah. From what I seen when we flew yeah. up, I mean, granted that was a long time ago, but yeah. nobody's hunted it in thirty-five years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one, I, you know, who knows where it came from, but there was one one ram that guys from down in that country walked in, and you know, who know, can't trust hardly anything anybody says, but right. you know, it was like a forty-eight or forty-nine inch ram. That uh, they got out of the park. Yeah, I remember. I remember pictures showing up. You know, getting emailed around mm-hmm. ten, twelve years ago or whatever. But uh, yeah, These guys that live down there. Yeah, as far as I know, that's mm-hmm. just all I know. Is I saw pictures of a monster that supposedly came out of the out of the hard park. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> uh, yeah, and, uh, what there? It was uh, it was black right where. Was the, the other story? Was that one you uh, where you you had the Delta tag right when yeah. you guys got got in trouble in there? The fiasco just shows yeah. you how you know how bad stuff can go in a hurry. Big sometimes. gust of wind smashed our tent, and then yeah. we had a Jerry shot a grizzly bear. We'd had there's a creek running down this canyon, and you could not. There was no way you had to you had to, you couldn't get around it. You had to ford it, and uh, so it took us a long time to get up in there. Didn't see any sheep, and then we'd been up way up by the glacier, and then our way down, we got back to the tent, and it was just destroyed, <laughs> as you know, tent. So finally, we just hiked. Finally, got all the way out, and well, you guys had to spend the night in it after it got yeah, destroyed. and we got. I think we got a hold of an employee. Anyway, we got a hold of some guys, and and they came and rescued us out of that snowstorm. But that's a there's an example of yeah. inadequate equipment. If we'd had a really good four season tent, yeah, uh, wouldn't have been an issue. But the Walmart special, yeah, the well, wind just destroyed it and filled it full of water, and and uh, yeah. and then it started snowing like. Blizzard <laughs> conditions, and, Snowed a foot or a foot and a half or something. You know. and, uh, and we're not in we're not in civilization. We're on the other side of the Delta River, right. we're not on the highway side, you know. And well, and then all the creeks are or that or creek start raging, across, yeah, start raging, and um, yeah. 
It was a bad deal. Well, it's, <laughs> it stink. You know, there's only so so much you have control over. But yeah. you know, just sometimes one bad, you know, one bad thing happens and yeah. it puts you puts you in a jam where you really got to get you get de- you're desperate, you know, and you got to yeah. push the envelope and take risks you otherwise wouldn't. Yep. Yeah. So my so. advice is, not that I'm an expert, but take good rain gear and take a good tent because <laughs> well, it could cost you your life. Yep. Places like that, man. And try to yeah. find a place where you can set up your tent to get out of the wind. Yeah. That is helpful yeah. when you when you yeah. can. Yeah. Well, this boy's about going nuts. You want to okay. you, you want wanted to tell your you, – do you want to talk? Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> go get your, your rifles that you were going to tell us about. <laughs> yeah, he's a – he likes talking on the podcast. So <laughs> I noticed. Uh, yeah, he's been bugging me, kicking me for about about thirty minutes. <laughs> I see he was choking you there. To choke. Yeah, it starts to get to choking. <laughs> Gonna keep applying the pressure to somebody. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, Susan was saying because you yeah. got you got kind of fell in the creek there. Jumping for the raft, was yeah, it? Yeah, we'd raft were, across yeah. that. We'd raft across that creek. There's no other way. I mean, it was. Yeah. It went from one cliff on one side of the canyon to the other cliff, right. and there was no way around this thing Here. other than that raft. Why don't you go we should have just brought a chainsaw and built a bridge, but oh well. Oh, Why don't you go sit by Papa? <laughs> inside. Sit by Papa, and he and you can maybe Here. borrow his. his yeah, come on, buddy. Oof. <laughs> yeah, oh, I won't edit it. It's fine. We got to get all our all, get all our equipment squared away. Yeah, yeah. having some troubles there. Uh-oh. There we go. All right, we have a special special podcast guest, Mr. Jed Friel. Can you hear me, Jed? Yeah. How are you doing today? Good. Are you getting a little frustrated? Yeah. Yeah, you need a turn. So what were you going to tell us about today? Uh, this one shoots. What is that? You're, you're holding a rifle? Your uh, rifle? Hey, try not to hit your microphone, okay? One, one nine nine. It shoots a one nine nine. One nine nine. Yeah. Yeah. You got a scope on there, is that? Yep. And a nice sling. What kind of stuff would you hunt with that rifle? Sometimes cape buffalo and sometimes elephants and sometimes bears. Wow. Elephants and bears? That's pretty cape, bears. Yeah, it's a pretty big, yeah. pretty big rifle. Does it kick hard? Does it hurt your shoulder? Yeah, I can go shark fishing, so it's really hard. Oh, man. Look. Yeah, just try not to bump your microphone. Yeah. Now, what is the, what's that other rifle you have? Lever Action 115. Why, why is it called a lever action? Because it, it goes like... Because what's that? Tell me what it has. Uh, sh- why is it a lever action? Because it goes like this. Okay, all right. Because it's got a lever. Because it's got a lever. <laughs> he was telling his mom the other day, it's called lever action because it's got a, leather, a lever and it's got a lot of action. <laughs> <laughs> all right, why don't you set it down on the table? Did you want to tell a story? Yeah. Is it? 
A tall tail. It's with this gun. With that gun. Two guns. These guns. What are you doing? It's up in these mounds. And it's very cold because it was in a snowy day. And there's a snow blizzard. And uh, and there's a lot of in of caribou on the move on the road, and and every and every house was just running crazy. Huh. They were just running out of them and not wanting to buy anything. Oh. And the stores were breaking, falling down. Huh. Are oh. you? I think you're just making up a story, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Do you like practicing? Do you like yeah. your do you like your toy rifles? Some and I was in the road trying to get groceries, but the store people were not letting people come into the store, so I just had to go up to the mountains and the the sheep were wreck when I got in my tent sheep were coming over to my tent trying to snitch my food. Oh, the sheep so are I trying to do. snitch your food. Yeah. Oh no. Because it's all kind of plants, so green beans. Oh, they wanted those green beans, did they? Yeah, and I had a blast. I, and there's one running towards me when I got out of my tent, so I had to get my rifle and I had to try to aim 20,000 miles away. He was 20,000 miles? Yeah. Did you get him? Yeah, he's by a creek down by the mountain because I was on a cliff. Yeah. And I was trying is aiming and and it, and it was uh, hit it right in the lungs. Right in the lungs. Oh, that's a good shot. Nice. Now, but it, ran a mile away, but I hit it again and it's done. It ran a mile. Yeah. Mm. And then the caribou I had to get, and I ran down the mountain in twenty miles an hour. Twenty miles an hour. Then I had to get. Uh, on the truck, a taxi, and drive <laughs> You're just down. A taxi? I thought you was in the mountains. Well, I ran down the Oh, mountains. you ran down the mountains. Right. Okay. So and Then there's a well, the caribou are going crazy. So I had to aim with this rifle, and it hit rain the brain. And a big <laughs> moose was warring uh, a caribou and I had to blast the moose and blast the caribou and they were done. Oh, man. All right. Sounds so, like a heck of a hunting trip. Yeah, it sounds like quite the trip to me. <laughs> so, it did uh, it was one of those cases. All right. So, yeah. Now, can you tell me can you tell me what the rules of gun safety are? Always keep it pointed in safe direction, and keep your finger off the sugar trigger until you're ready to shoot, and keep your gun and load until you're ready to fire, and you and keep your your gun uh, un um, not cocked oh. until you're ready to get yeah to that's shoot. that's yeah yep. that all looks right good yeah that's good. 
All right. Well, anyway, we'll wrap. We'll go ahead and wrap her up before we get too too far into fantasy land. But uh, um, no, it's good. Good talking to you guys. And uh, if you guys enjoy the podcast, I appreciate it if you leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. Thanks.